Welcome to the Raven Precision Podcast. Today I'm joined by Stefan Felstead and Brandon Norwick to talk about Viper 4 3.0 software, otherwise known as ROS 3.0. Stefan is a software engineer that works on both the ROS and CRX platforms, and Brandon is one of our technical service specialists who works primarily with the Viper 4 field computer. In this conversation, we go over the release notes for 3.0, uh, so if you want to follow along, you just go to portal.ravenprecision.com and then select documentation and software right up there at the top of the page. Go onto the left bar, click field computers, Viper 4, and then under software, you'll see uh, the download and installation instructions along with the release notes. Embrace yourselves for this next part because I'm going to do the self-promotion thing. Uh, if you have been checking out our podcast on the Podbean website, just know that you can also download these through iTunes, Google Play Music, uh, the Podbean app, or any other podcast application that can pull directly from an RSS feed. You can download these episodes, listen to them whenever you want. So if you want to check them out on the way to work or listen to them in the cab or, or wherever, uh, just know that you can do that. So I think with that, we'll just jump into my conversation with Stefan and Brandon. Yeah, so uh, if you're good, we can just get right after it. Sure. We'll All try. right. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's just start. We'll just go through the notes here uh, on our new features. So we just added, mach- well, we put down machine to machine shared coverage, but that is called job sync, right? Right. Okay. Uh, and so let's uh, just give us a little background on it and. Well, job sync uh, is one of the new slingshot features, and uh, it's actually one of the coolest features that we've had in a long time. Uh, to be able to sit out there and be able to have two uh, machines, two sprayers actually, um, with Viper fours in them, we're about a hundred, uh, hundred feet, um, maybe a little bit more, two hundred feet back, mm-hmm. and um, we were able to be able to see the guy that's in front of us we were able to see his coverage mm-hmm. and we we're able to use last pass to guide right next to him so we didn't even right. steer so that was uh that's one of the new features it runs through slingshot it comes with uh you do have to have a slingshot subscription right yeah and i was going to get into that a, a little bit is so probably the require the the hard set requirements obviously we're going to have to have 3.0 software because that's that's the viper for backbone for it uh, we, um, Russell and I kind of talked about this a little, we alluded to it a little bit in a previous podcast when we were talking about the subscriptions, uh, and gold wasn't a thing at that point, but it is now. And so that's, that's also one of the requirements, right? Yeah. So, yep. You have to have the slingshot. I believe it's that gold subscription, yep. um, in order to, uh, for the communication to flow through. Right. And then for that, or on top of that also need to have a cell signal yeah yep um the better your cell signal is the better uh the better it's going to be right um with the 30 uh it's going to synchronize while you're in a job okay so uh if you exit that job the synchronization stops so if stuff didn't get sent up it's not going to get sent up until you reopen that job again so okay. you have to kind of wait on 30 now with the next version the 31 
we're going to be taking care of that. So anytime we get a sell signal, we'll just try to make sure the data gets up. But 3 you're going to have to be in that job until okay. it all gets synced. Good to know. Good to know. Um, and you, okay, so I have, here's a few of my questions on it. Um, and we can get into probably like kind of some scenarios, right? Um, but I have some questions on it just because, uh, that's probably going to be my next project is putting together sort of a walkthrough of building a job or, you know, a cloud job or however we want to call it. Um, and then maybe like the scenarios of machine A starts a job, can't finish, machine B comes in, finishes, or two simultaneous, or, and actually, that's one question. So when you talk about, you mentioned two sprayers. What is our max, like, recommended amount of machines in the field? Um, I We test out to six. Test out to six? Yep. So we test out to six. Um, so uh, it'll go up to, it'll, we don't really put a limit on it, but um, we've tested it out to six, and everything flows through pretty good with six. Okay. So, yeah. And then there's probably not that many situations where you'd get that many machines in the same field. Yeah. Pretty, pretty messy from the, you know, just from a traffic standpoint, I'm the sure. Australia right? maybe with the big <laughs> enough fields <laughs> yeah. going on okay, maybe, yeah. 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 No, most of ours is going to be two, yeah. maybe three. So um, in the sprayer market, you're probably going to be using a machine or a job sink for Basically, you're going to have the one one sprayer coming to the field. They're going to do the headlands and all the boundaries and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then you're going to have the other sprayer come in and do the main part. And especially with dicamba now, right? right. The one sprayer is going to be spraying the non-dicamba, making that buffer. And right. Those, and then okay. you're going to have another sprayer come in to do the dicamba. So that way they can really go from field to field really quickly. Awesome. Uh, and then, so the, the last... Being able to use LastPass uh, from each machine, that's there's no the widths of the machine isn't going to matter, correct? Uh, correct. Um, the way the way it works is that uh, it takes the basically half of your width and half of whatever the other guy's width was, and it'll offset it. Okay. So if you have a one machine that's sixty feet, one machine that's thirty, it'll get your guidance line right forty five feet away, so that you can just drive down. Okay. Yeah, so they, that's not anything that anyone's going to have to worry about. Nope. Um, my la- I think my last one was so, uh, and this is just me tr- thinking whether or not it would be an issue. Do uh, Canon ISO machines, they're going to play well together? Yep, uh, it's coverage only, so it doesn't oh, matter oh, whether right. it's Raven okay. Can or whether it's ISO. Um, it's coverage only. Right. And we don't separate it out for by product. So if it's covered, it's covered is kind of the way it the way it is right now. Okay. Um, so if you happen to have a product off, uh, we're just going to show it as covered. Okay. Um. So we hit on the multiple machines within the same field, uh, and then so we have that kind of that second scenario that I talked about, where the ability for n- different machines to complete the jobs that weren't previously finished. Are there, um, I think I might have heard something of this in some of our, like, internal reviews of, like, um, needing to make sure that the machine that starts the job, uh, is there, like, is it based on product channels? Um, let's say, let's say that machine starts and they're, they're really only applying one, but say they have five set. Is that going to limit who's next or who can actually come into the job? 
Um, yeah, they're going to want to uh, they're going to want to make sure that that the guy who starts it kind of is the limited configuration mm-hmm. on that. Um, because what we do is is we're going to we're going to create basically a pre-populated uh, type job or a a, um, a work order type, right? And that's kind of how we notify the other vipers, the other field computers, uh, what they put down, and so from there they have to sign out which channel uh, the right. product belongs to. So um, that's kind of where uh, where you want to try to make sure that the first guy that starts it is kind of your least configuration. And that's pro- that's probably only really going to be the case if um, we're basing it off of a job that is created or started from a Viper or from a field computer. Uh, probably wouldn't be much of an issue if you're doing because you can you we can go from a from job generator and send these out correct and then we can yeah yep, go that, that route correct, yeah. yeah so if the, if the job generator the person who generated that job. It only requires one product or two products. Yep. Then anything like anything with at least the one or two products can jump into it at that point because that that creates your lowest common denominator machine configuration, right? That's exactly correct. Okay. Something they're probably going to run into is like your bin chaining ones where they're going to have multiple different configurations going on. If like have a two bin, a four bin, and things like that. Otherwise, liquid. No, I mean, just done and going and taking off again. Just your different uh, widths of booms is all. Okay. Yeah, so for the most part with those, even with those dry machines, they're going to be set up pretty much the same. So we don't foresee a lot of variation in that. Okay. No, not too often on theirs, though. And I think we got one little bin chaining with cloud jobs here in in an enhancement we'll get to a little bit later on. Oh, uh... So Brandon and I were talking about this a little bit before you came in, uh, is, and this is probably just, uh, good to know information. I'd say when do these cloud jobs, when do, how, how do they get removed from, let's say, let's just say a Viper four. So cloud jobs are going to have to be archived. Okay. Um, and then, uh, with this three O version, once you archive them, um, they will, you, you can go delete them from your Viper 4 after that. Okay. But if you try to delete them before, uh, they're just going to show back up again. Okay. And so you're going to want to, you're going to need to go on to Slingshot. Uh, you're going to need to archive the job and then you'll be able to go delete those off of the, off of the Viper 4. Okay. Um, we've already got work, uh, in on the next version, uh, to be able to, when they're archived, if they've never been opened. Uh, to have them removed automatically from the field computer so that kind of reduces clutter. Awesome. Um, but um, for those ones that have been opened, we don't want to remove the data. We don't want to get rid of the data. We right. want the customer to have that data. So because of that, you're going to have to manually go delete those jobs off of those field computers that have worked in those jobs. Okay. Okay. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong there, Stefan. I think on right now, it actually pops up with an error. Is saying you cannot delete uh, until they've been archived on on the on the actual website, yep. so it won't even allow you to. Right, and yeah. we we put that in there because um, we did some beta testing, and one of our customers had that problem. They kept trying to delete it, when it wouldn't go away. So yep. we put that uh, information in there for them. Yep. All right. 
and this is something we'll probably be making a video about this actually goes to step by step what actually has to be done on the viper for a cloud job and also from the job generator side and, and where to go to archive because yeah otherwise oh right for right now you just want to yeah. hit that quick i mean just the that checkbox let's just yeah put it in here yeah because basically for any of the cloud job when you had to hit your uh uh file manager and then actually go in there and actually enable cloud jobs in the first place on a machine and that's something else that's got to be done just in the case people aren't familiar with viper fours there's one extra spot actually you have to go into and check and then then you'll get your little cloud icon when you go into actually your job screen to actually sync by cloud jobs and that's the biggest key that you know mm-hmm. that you've got cloud jobs available if that start job button has a cloud then you're then you're going to start yep. a cloud job if it doesn't have a cloud then you're not going to start a cloud job so even if you have a subscription, you can turn that right. off so that everybody else doesn't get it. If you know that you're the only one that's going to be in that field, you might not want to give everybody else that that extra. Right. And so you just go ahead and turn off uh, the cloud jobs. Um, we have had a customer that uh, that has decided he wants to keep it on all the time, even mm-hmm. though it clutters things up, because he never knows, right? You, you know, right. You're out there, it, you know, all of a sudden you get some wind come up, and you want to be able to send somebody different out there next time, uh, that's where Cloud Jobs comes in really. Yeah. Just really quick. You know, you don't have to transfer via thumb drive or anything like that. So um, he'd rather have a little bit of clutter mm-hmm. to be able to have that functionality. So, Right. That's yeah. yeah, that's probably one of the biggest boons of it is you never know if you're going to, yeah, something's going to happen to that machine or you get a call, you got to go somewhere else or, or whatever, you know, whatever the case uh, that way you at least know if I start this and can't finish it for whatever reason, you don't have to worry about transferring it via thumb drive or, you know, sending yep. it up and bringing it back down from slingshot. You just, someone, someone else can just jump in there and do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's just like the, the AccuBoom section control there. You can't just go and start off again there either. So mm, I'll just have it on. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. I think we, unless you have anything else to add, I think we kind of. Nope. I think later on at this, uh, the video ones and, uh, really help out a lot there to actually, they know exactly what they're looking at, what screen they're looking at, what has to be toggled on for actually functionality, what to do after the job is done. That's, that's going to help out a lot. Mm-hmm. The only other thing that I can think of is that the slingshot team is, is working on a ability to view. So you can actually view what's going on in the in a particular job oh, right. live, right? And so um, we displayed that at our summit this past week. And yeah, I saw that. That was a, nice. that's a really nice, cool mm-hmm. view. It's, yeah. it's very great for for managers to be able to figure out okay how how long is it going to be till that field's done? Right. They can take a look at the coverage and where it's at, and you know our update rate is is as fast as we can go. So we're talking, you know, maybe a, a second or two. You know, so. Basically, mm-hmm. it's as fast as the ether, uh, the network connection will allow us. So. All right. Yeah, I saw that. That was that is pretty slick. It's just an uh, overhead view. You got your different uh, colors for the. I think we call them participants. Well, yep. we call them that on on the Viper Four, but I wasn't sure if that's what we call it on the site. Uh yeah, I'm not sure exactly. Okay. On that, but. Well, we'll just let's just let's just say it right here, participants. Uh, yeah, and then you can see. You know, if they're, uh, you can actually on there see the coverage. The coverage right? drop, yeah. yeah. So you can yeah. see how well you're doing. Also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it looked like it was, uh, because we saw 
at that summit we showed uh we had the two screens side by side showing that and then um it looked pretty close if not exactly the same as uh you know if we're we're looking at our shutoffs and like when it kicked on when it shut off you could so you could see you could see all that kind of stuff yep it was pretty cool uh so let's see the touch event tracker for RS1 so what are what are we looking at with that yeah, so in European countries, um, there's some requirements uh, for steering so that they know that somebody's still in the cab. So if you don't have a seat switch, what mm-hmm. we did is we uh, we created a touch event tracker. So no matter what you touch on the field computer, it records it as a touch. And so then it puts a delay in there and says, okay, if you haven't touched the screen in however many seconds, uh, then it's going to notify the RS1 and say, hey, there might not be an operator in the cab. And so that's what that really is, is basically it's just a monitor. Mm. Um, it's kind of a replacement for a seat switch. It's kind of our way, our oh, way okay. of replacing a, sweet, a seat switch. Oh, okay. I didn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. Uh, just from reading it, I was thinking it was like, yeah, we can tell that they press this and we press that. But there's a reason reasoning behind that. Yep. Yep. Okay. And it's okay. uh, it's safety critical type things. Right. Um, Depending on the country you're in, you're required to have those safety critical items. Mm. All right, so let's see. Let's just hit on the few uh, defects or bugs that were probably fixed with this version. Okay. Um, so uh, we've had some issues that were fixed with the remote support button um, showing as inactive when it should be active. Um, we fixed a lot of... Uh, uh, ISO crashes and things like that. So um, New Leader, um, we've definitely been working with them directly, with mm. their engineers, uh, to to really make sure that their ECUs and their um, their product control works well with our unit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't just them. There's been a number of other number of other manufacturers that we've been working with to to make sure that everything goes smoothly um, on that front. Um, there's a uh, new machine configuration with ISO booms um, issues there. We've uh, we've resolved a bunch of those, um, and uh, job close and system shutdown. So we've uh, we've found uh, during beta testing and during uh, other types of testing that there were some issues there, and we've been able to really um, resolve those. Mm. That's something that um, with the Viper Four has given us. Uh, and the background of the Viper 4 and the way that we've done it, it's really given us the ability to no longer have to try to reproduce mm-hmm. uh, the bugs like we used to have to with our old Viper Pro and with our ePro. Um, instead, it's actually uh, able to give us basically a report and say, hey, here's the problem. It's at, uh, it's, you know, go look at this particular line of code, which has been able to, which means that we're able to find the issues and, and we're able to fix them. And there's no questions. Okay. Do you have anything you wanted to add? Maybe just some, some well, of the things like that you might have seen. Well, it's just like a lot of that sort of stuff that you run into with um, any of the ISO. It's just always expanding. It's other OEMs, equipment. And then you have to have that relationship to work closely together. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to run into problems like this. And it's and being such an expanded market anymore, it's changing every day. Right. So you're you're going to be running in a lot of things like that, and that's something that uh, a lot of people forget. Is you know they think everything's always just plug and play, 
and this is just work. Mm-hmm. And so, well, yeah, you have your ISO protocols, you have to follow things, but everybody does also has their other code that they right. write in for their functionalities. Mm-hmm. Everything has to be 100% seamless. So you, you have to have that really tight uh, relationship so all your OEMs to work really tight together. You have a really good functioning system to, and, and, uh, right. you know, to, and, and utilize all of your actual option and capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, I suppose all that's really left is talking about these enhancements. And actually, the one, the one that really catches my attention, and I saw it, I just happened to see it on uh, Viper 4 that was using demos, or uh, beta software, excuse me, uh, was that that uh, that UT icon in the bottom of the job screen. Uh, so we can probably hit on just everything that goes in there, because it, it's part of a UT, UT alarm presentation improvements. At least that's what this bullet point says. Um, but yeah, so that's essentially that a version of that smaller UT widget, correct? Is that kind of what that's what that's doing? Um, yeah, so that uh, that bottom UT, yeah, that's going to be a way for you to uh, pull up the UT um, quickly, and then it's also um, the biggest part is is that uh, is that we put a little flashing icons on there, mm-hmm. so if there's alarms. So alarms used to take up the entire screen. And so right. alarms is something that we work on um, with a Viper 4 every single time we release. We try to tweak them and make them better right. each and every time. And so one of the one of the things that we did is we tried to take the ISO alarms and categorize them. And the ones that aren't critical, mm-hmm. um, we aren't gonna we aren't gonna display over the entire page. Right. And so we're gonna just put a flashing icon down there so you're able to see it. And then um, down in your alarms, you're also able to see the diagnostic trouble codes for the ISO mm. alarms listed out right down there too. Okay, so that's another part of what we what we did uh, to try to help the presentation of alarms. Oh, okay, yeah. So when you get the little flash on your U, that UT icon, you can you can go into the UT pages, the object pools, and then maybe like look at the alarm that route just if you know if it's like a minor alarm and you just want to see what what it is maybe it's like speed slow or you know whatever right you can you can go that route right yeah but yep. we're just not gonna we're not gonna put a big pop-up for everything but uh would there would there still be a pop-up for the major any major alarms yes absolutely iso requires that right. there's a pop-up for major alarms okay nice uh oh uh so when i see this updated gps wasp prn selections is that more based on is that just kind of changing which ones show up you know especially since we had 133 decommissioned that's exactly what that is yep okay we, we took away the 133 and i believe we added a new uh, another couple okay all right uh Let's see. Oh, Brandon, you brought up the, you know, you brought up bin chaining earlier when we were talking about uh, job sync. So we have that recall functionality with cloud jobs now. What what exactly is that? What exactly does that mean? So um, bin chaining is one of those things that we've also modified a lot. Right. Um, pretty much every release. And so we're just trying to make it um, easier and easier. So um, when you actually set up 
the with cloud jobs so when you set up your bin chain um just like all the rest of the jobs you if you reopen that job on mm-hmm. the same viper 4 it's going to re um it's going to reset up the bin chain also okay. so that you don't have to redo it every single time right yeah cuz the people remembered like previous versions and things like that it was you actually have to go into and either reset it which a lot of people then close the job out if you went back far enough into the software mm. or now with the newer software now you can actually change the actual orders goes through reset it basically do anything right there in the job now okay so yeah it's a lot lot uh, more user friendly than what it used to be back you know few versions ago nice yeah i mean yeah it's uh well and well Stefan, you've been at quite a few top gun events and you know we've gotten you know we're talking about alarms and bin chaining especially you know we've we've gotten beaten up on a, a decent amount and right you know and rightfully so uh but that's where that's where actually you know without really getting into that uh those events that's where a lot of the feedback we've, we've been getting really comes from Absolutely, and we take the we take that feedback very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes directly from the customer, uh, like those Top Gun events, um, that gives us a new perspective, right? A new right. view, and so we take those seriously and we evaluate them. And that's where that's where these bin chaining things and these alarms come from is directly from those events. Yeah, and anytime I've anytime I've kind of sat in there and you've been in there, it's just like, well, okay, yeah. What what, do, what would you like to see, or you know, how would you like to see that work? And then that's where we kind of get some of these. And uh, a lot of the bin chain recalls is probably, you know, some of them may have been like, oh, yeah, I'd like to, I'd just like that to start over when I go back into the job and, you know, or recall it, you know, and that's where uh, a lot of this has come from. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Let's see, various text alignment and overlap improvements. Is that just... uh, um, Maybe on some of the dialog boxes that open up, or or what is that really getting at? Yeah, we're we're an international company. Oh, right. Yep. And okay. so therefore, therefore, uh, what what might take five or six characters in the U.S. might take sixteen right. over in Germany or in a in a different language. And so, um, what that's getting at there is is that that we're paying attention to not only our U.S. customers, mm-hmm. but we're also trying to make things better and look good for our international customers. And so we're paying attention to that. Oh, okay. Um, you got a few things, probably more more responsive, more responsive RX map downloads, smart trash configuration, and file management dialogue. So what? When that's saying when that's saying more responsive, what exactly are we getting at? Is that just like quicker or? Well, um, another thing comes out of our Top Gun events. So um, we've had some customers that are that are um, loading up their Vipers um, with anywhere from, uh, you know, from 2,000 to 4,000 field boundaries. Okay. And so when you load up that many field boundaries and we have to sort through them, mm-hmm. um, that causes the it causes a lot of time for sorting. And so um, we found some enhancements that we could make to really speed those up. So um, I, I, two examples, I guess, that we have is we have one customer that was waiting about a minute 30 um, to start their job because they started their job from the map view mm-hmm. um, and they selected their field boundary and it would take about a minute 30 to get their job open and started. 
we took that from a minute 30 down to roughly five or six seconds. So it's we, we cut off a lot. Now those customers, uh, we had some customers that had uh, read about 3,000 field boundaries um, and uh, spread out all across Canada. Mm. And so they were doing the same thing. It was taking them in the order of eight minutes. Wow. And so that was very unacceptable to us. Um, we brought it down uh, in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 seconds, which is still a little bit long, and we still we still want to work mm-hmm. at that. But eight minutes to 30 seconds is a large change. Huge. It's huge. And that was <laughs> uh, props, to, props to all those guys <laughs> being patient with that, too. That's, yeah. It's one of those things there where people just have to always remember as operators of it. You know, it's it's, it's still a computer, mm-hmm. and you just can't just start throwing so much stuff for right. just large, large files and things like that at it, and not expect it to be a little bit slower. So, like normal maintenance yeah. on it, it helps out a lot there as well. But it's also what you're actually putting on it, and your expectations of what you know, sort of performance you're going to see there too, just because of the sheer. The uh, size of the data files you're putting on there too. Yeah, it's even so. It's still awesome that oh yeah we're working on just like even even for those that want to store oh, yeah. that many uh, mm-hmm. files on there. And they have they have good reasons. I mean, they they yeah. really do have good reasons why they want that on there. And the best we can do to accommodate all that uh, is is what we're looking for. Nice. Um. So that. Yeah, so that kind of dovetails with that the RX map downloads probably having having all those map files on there those prescriptions. Yep, is that kind of way. Yep. So between the between the file management dialogues, the smart tracks configurations, and the RX map downloads, they're all they're all kind of in the back end the same type of thing. It's all how many files can we get through um, in a in a given amount of time, and so we've uh, we shored up some things on our side which. Uh, were we which were uh, making it better uh or making i should say which were making it worse and so we were able to find uh find a few quick wins to really reduce that okay and and when you say smart tracks what exactly is that with smart tracks configurations uh, what part what part of that are we thinking yeah. like machine database or is that no like when you're else? walking through the wizard um, okay we've had a lot of comments from our top gun events that as you're walking through the smart tracks wizard for the old smart track stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. that they're like, wait and wait and wait. Yeah. Well, uh, now it's, 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 it's right on. So, oh, we okay. We, so that's we aren't more, waiting anymore. It's that's probably more the Viper for going through its screens, pulling it, whatever information from that, uh, node. Right. But we're, it, we've sped that up. Right. Essentially. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Um, oh, and, and so this last point, Stefan, you already got into it or just our ISO new leader ECU communication enhancements. Yeah, we've been working with the new leader um a lot. We have mm-hmm. we have names for their engineers, you know, I mean we're right. we're talking engineer to engineer now with new leader to make sure that we're that we're working together really well and right. um that's really where um that relationship has allowed us to make sure that that um when we have releases and whatnot that they're able to test their stuff against our Mm-hmm. new releases and vice versa. So we're getting we're getting in hardware from them and we're getting new releases from them so that we can test before we release to make sure that our stuff works. So okay. it's all about making sure that everything works together and basically being one to make the customer happy. 
and this is all based on their um uh is it edge their edge box yeah, I or believe it's, for the most yeah. part, it's the new leader edge box. It's their the ISO, ISO based ones. Their ISO okay. based ones. Yeah. All right. Well, that knocks out all the all the notes from the release. Was there anything else either you wanted to add, Brandon? Nothing right off and on on that. It's just kind of just uh, there's always ever changing. So there's going to be more enhancements, you know, coming in the future, and it's just always going to mm-hmm. be try to get things more streamlined and just uh, more user friendly. That's just ongoing all the time. And then whether just a uh, um, user interface right there when you're in front of the machine, the Viper 4, uh, typing away to actual the documents we have afterwards just for mm-hmm. the service-wise and for uh, easier for customers and dealers to find there so they do self-education and things like that. So just, just always ongoing and just try mm-hmm. to get a, uh, listen to the customers and get things just a little bit easier for them, easier access whatever it actually takes for them to have a better experience. Well said. You mean any seven? Um, other than, you know, we're, we're, we're switching over now to a, um, to a, a release schedule that's going to be more often. Oh, right. So you're yep. going to be finding uh, releases from Raven, maybe up to four times a year. And uh, with that, obviously uh, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of time that we're going to be doing beta testing and mm-hmm. things like that. We also have uh, scheduled, we're going to be scheduling releases in a, in a controlled way. So we're going to be doing controlled releases. So as we're, as we're working through that, um, there's going to be times where, where we have something ready um, that, that you might be able to access if you're a beta customer or, mm-hmm. or that uh, depending on your area. But um, those releases will be coming more often. Oh, um, right. You bring up a good point because probably the one of the nice things about having regular releases like that is say there's a, there's some fix that's needed and it's going to piggyback off of a release that has this major feature or maybe the other way around. Come time when we're probably scheduling a release, nothing necessarily needs to wait on something else. Is that right? Or is that kind of... That's kind of the way we're going. Is, okay. is that we're going? Um, we're going to the manner of um, of uh, what's done. We'll mm-hmm. get out there, okay. um, and what's not done, we'll have on the next release. Right. And so that way, we can get the time critical fixes out right. um, a lot quicker. Um, so we may have thought we wanted to put a particular new feature into a particular release, but we're not going to. We're not willing to push it off. Push off right. the release um, that may have some critical bug fixes or or another neat feature we're not going to push that off we'll just roll it over the next one right because we're doing you know because we're going to be doing so many more releases right yeah you don't we don't necessarily need to wait on uh something that'll become a showstopper might just need a little bit more time in the oven as it were right yep all right well that's all that's all i had uh thank you thank you both for for doing this that's right. Right.